So today we have this brilliant man, Hari. How do I spell your last name? Um, it's Hirekar. H E E R E K A R. Hirekar. Thank you. Thank you for that. Tell us about your background. So um, I'm from India. I did my law in the year 2010. Thereafter, I practiced. Um, I was more onto the commercial business, incorporations, mergers, and acquisitions. Okay. But then, I saw there's an opportunity for young lawyers to become judge and participate in uh, serving people. So I oh. took that opportunity, wrote the exam, and and got through the Indian judiciary oh and became gosh. a judge at oh a very gosh. young age. Oh. I served as a judge for three years, okay. um, taking care of civil, criminal matters. And uh, because of my young age, maybe I was not quite following the strict procedures and I wanted to get quick justice, okay. get the parties sit together and settle, which was not liked by my seniors uh -huh, uh -huh. who were trying to follow the rules and regulations, which takes years and years to get a case resolved. Oh, oh I see, I see. And then I. I realized that my approach towards a case or a resolution is exactly what the American legal system is, mm -hmm, where they mm -hmm. focus more on early dispensation of the cases, settlements, negotiations, rather than a lengthy trial. Okay, okay. And I felt like that's my place, that's where I should go. Okay, tell us about how you came to the United States. What, what drove you to come here? So, um, I always tell this, every Indian's dream is to be in the United States, whether you've done your software engineering or you're a doctor or, or architect or even a lawyer. Okay. Whatever your profession is, no matter how good you are, how much respected you are in India, somewhere we have this feeling that that's the land of opportunities where we should go. Oh, I see. So you attended law school here, right? I did. Okay. Um, I did attend um, a law school, University of Southern California, but that's okay. not for JD. It's um, LLM, Masters okay. of Law. It's a one-year course, which gives you a summary of entire legal system. Okay. It introduces you to the U.S. legal system. It gives you snippets of the civil procedure, criminal procedure, and and that's how you... So in one year, you get to have sense of the entire three years of law course. Oh, okay. So, Hari, I know that you have a very, very compelling story Tell us about your experience going to Everest. Oh yes, so 2018, uh, in March, I, my, I had a girlfriend who broke up with me, I lost my job, I was completely broke. And at that moment I decided that I will do something big. I'm uh -huh. not going to give up, okay. I'm going to Everest. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And when there is a saying that if you truly deeply and, and, and desire for something and work towards it, it the universe will conspire to, to bring everything together to, to lay the path for you. And that's how I met people who, were folk, who, who motivated me and they said, like one person, I always take his name, Jerry Knox, who trained me to hike and, and take, go to mountains and all. Oh that's my how goodness. I, so my Everest preparation for us not not just like in one night I got a dream and next day I went. Right, it's right. one year's preparation. 
I was doing running. I did six marathons. Oh my gosh. So hiking all the mountains in California, the, the highest Mount Whitney, uh, 14,000 feet, I believe. So I did all this then, but then January 2019 was a key time when I had to decide whether I should go or not. Because if I go, then there is some issues with my visa mm-hmm, because I'm mm-hmm. a non-immigrant. I see. I cannot leave this country for a long period of time. So I had to take a decision. Okay. Whether Everest or to remain in US. Okay. And I took the step. I said, no matter what, if life gives me an opportunity, I'll come back to US or else uh, let's see. But I have to do what I have to do. Yeah. So that's I went to Everest. Right. That's so brave. What was your experience? So the first thing... I went there, I saw oh, Nepal is a beautiful country and Nepali people, they, they're called uh, Sherpas. Sherpas are guides who, who help you take, take to the mountain. So they lay everything for you. They, they put the tents, they prepare the food, they guide you in every step. So I had a Sherpa who had helped me a lot. So he prepared what are the steps that we need to take. So Everest is, for your information, 8,848 meters high. Oh and my at, gosh. This, at, the, at the level of 6,000 meters, you, you will have big issues with breathing problem. Okay. So, and then it's a two-month program and it costs close to $50,000. Oh my gosh. So it's three, two to three months, $50,000 and so many issues involved in it. So I decided that let me do one thing. Let me go to Everest, see the Everest from the base camp, which, which itself is 5,000 meters high, and then do a peak which is close to Everest, but not Everest. So I did a Loguche peak, which is 6,119 meters. There okay. I had an experience of about to losing my fingers because oh my it was gosh. freezing, freezing cold. Oh my gosh. But because of the Sherpas who've been so kind, he rubbed my fingers against his body, created that heat in that oh in my the gosh. midnight. And somehow I survived and I didn't, but I did suck, uh, summit the Lobuche Peak, which is 6,119 meters. It was a brilliant, beautiful experience. What I have learned from it is that if anybody says that he or she has achieved in his life on his own, that means they are committing a big mistake. Nothing is ever achieved by you alone. You need a team. You need help from people. Right, right. Nobody can say this, that everything I did on my own, that I think is, is not right. Right. Because even doing this week, I had to take so many people's help. The cook, the guide, the Sherpa, the porter. So it's not one person's uh, achievement. Right. It's always a team effort. So and would you need you, to be humble. Uh-huh. Would you say that you're not just referring to the Everest experience, you're referring to life in general, that if you want to accomplish something that you need other people's help. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Whether it is your professional life or personal life, you have to have a team, a team you can trust, the team that you can trust and have firm belief. That's how you grow. If you think that you are the only one who, who can do everything, that's, that's a mistake. Whether it's a relationship or a business or, or any place, mm-hmm. it's always a team that, that wins. It's never, even the fastest runner, um, um, bold, or even the fastest, um, quickest runner in marathon, um, they have told us that it's, it's, one pers- it's not one person's race, it's a team thing. Though at the end you see only one person running, but back, uh, background was there was an entire team supporting him, mm-hmm, helping mm-hmm. him. Right, I agree, I agree. What, what is your focus now, Hari? What, what, are you, what are you doing right now? So, after coming from Nepal, the first 
call that I made was to my senior counsel, Ms. Kaila Nagasaka. <laughs> you uh-huh. and i said i am ready uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> please help and right from that moment uh-huh. elena kasaka has been <laughs> angel giving me cases referring me to people and that's how i started building network and i am getting cases i'm doing immigration now helping people to get their asylum um to cancel their deportation or get their u visa if any per woman or any man in that extent if it's a victim of a domestic violence they don't have to worry that they will be deported if they report the case mm-hmm. the the, the re- reporting of a domestic violence has got nothing to do with your deportation you can rather get a stay which is called u visa okay so if you are a victim of domestic violence i request you please come out and speak about it I you see, will I not see. have any issues with your immigration problem I see. What do you mean by that? So, let's say that you have a client yes. and the client is a victim of domestic violence. Yes. Are you saying that her coming forward with that information would not affect her status? Not it will never not affect her status and it will make easy for her to get a status rather oh, which I is see, a legal status to stay which is called U visa oh i because see because she's see. a victim of domestic violence she's supporting the law in order to help prosecute the uh, the accused so so she will be helped by the uh, government by giving her a visa so that she can stay here and after 3 years she gets green card oh my god oh okay i didn't know that okay and then i know that you also handle criminal defense is that right yes um again as i said it was under the ages and advice of kalanaka zaka that she has taken me to criminal defense to see the arraignment to see prelim and how to negotiate and and how, how to negotiate the offers with public prosecutors the da how to build rapport with the judges so i have done felony misdemeanor uh, duis traffic trials okay yes. okay and i know that uh, so you do immigration law and then you also do criminal defense I know that isn't that your passion the criminal defense? Yes. And what do you like about criminal defense? Criminal defense is all about intensity. It's about people um uh, people need help because um that this is a problem in our society and and um sorry to say this we we are ready to judge people the moment a person is accused of something we judge oh he's a man and the lady has complained domestic violence so he might have done it right. i'm not saying that it's it's not right uh, always but it can never be it, it, it need not be always correct so you you should not be judging a person just because a case has been filed against him or her you have to give them opportunity you have to give them a proper defense right but now we say in theory that you are innocent until proven guilty but do you think that that's actually what people think i don't think so because there is a misconception or already a preconceived notion that a person who has been charged of something might have already committed it right, that's the right. reason why he's or she has been charged right. which is not correct right charging somebody arresting somebody is just initiating a legal process right. you need to wait till the final judgment right right and before that has come you just straight away have a preconceived notion that oh he he or she has done this or might have done this i think that you're not giving a fair opportunity to that person and that's the reason why i want to do this criminal defense because there are very few people who who approach a case with with a clear conscience right. not with preconceived notion and i always approach a case with a clear conscience without having any bias or any preconceived notion 
which is very difficult to do. Yes. For a lot of people. Yes. Even the defense counsel, right? True. So, Hari, I know that you have worked for a law firm before, and now you're on your own, you're independent. How did that happen? So, what I want to know is, what was your experience working for a law firm? So, I was working for quite a few law firms. Job timings were nine to five. Yeah. You work for a certain amount, so you, you give that amount of hard work into it. You don't want right. to give more than that. Right. You wait for the 5 p.m. so that you can go home. Right. And um, so, I felt like it is good. It is a secure job and it's a secured life, but I don't want to live a secured life. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel like what kind of life is this? Secured, uh, you know, for what? Right, right. For what? There should be some purpose in life, not right. just getting up, going to office, coming back home, looking at the same paycheck every 15 days and preparing your life according to the paycheck, living paycheck to paycheck. Whether I don't see any purpose in it. Right, right. And then I wanted to challenge myself. Get I see. to the I uncomfortable see. zone. I when see. you're in uncomfortable zone, that's where you can actually understand who you are. You can never realize who you are when you're in a comfortable zone. Unless and until you challenge, go for a run, go for a jump, do skydiving, do whatever it takes to experience the uncomfortableness, that's when you actually come and come across yourself. You know who you are only when you're in an uncomfortable zone. Oh, wow. And, wow. and, and honestly, with this past one and two months that I started on my own, I did not, I felt like, will I be able to pay my bills? Will I be right, able to right. pay my It's scary. My right? It's very scary to be on your own. So the, the first thing is like, I have to pay rent, I have to pay bills, I have to eat. Right, uh-huh. right. So, but, but, but with firm determination, commitment, and the hustling and, and go get it done attitude, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everything fell in place, things came. And it, then this is not just for this legal profession. I firmly believe whether you want to start your own business, whether you want to start your own beauty salon or whatever it is, right, if you right. want to do something, don't ever think that how will I be able to pay my bills, right, how will I be able right. to take my this, how this how will be answered when you know that I will be able to do it. Right. When you have the will to do something, there is a path which is being laid without you being known. Right, right. Just believe in yourself and trust me, things will fall in place. And and that's how every businessman, whether it is right. Bill Gates, whether it is Mark Zuckerberg, or even to that Jeff Bezos, they did not become great businessmen and then right. got into Facebook or Microsoft. Right, right, right. They were nothing. They right, trusted right. themselves and they did it. Right. We have live examples. This is not stories that I'm making up. Right, right. We have live examples, Americans who did it. So why are we waiting for it? Right, right. Well, do you have any advice for people who are considering law school? My only advice to the students or anybody who want to go to law school, please don't start up doing your resume building. Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. thing is, in law school, you study law, which is good. But also, at the same time, you need to know how to build network. People should know that you're doing law. Right, right. Don't don't just get into this uh, inbox attitude that three years of law, then find a job, then pay your bills. Mm -hmm, This mm -hmm. is the worst thing that you can ever do to your own self. Right, right. You don't have to do the three years law. If you really want to pay your bills, go do Mm -hmm. something else. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I personally believe that any student who is trying to get into law school understand what is the uh, niche, what is mm-hmm. that, why do you want to get into law school? Right, right. Do you have the 
skills to communicate with people. Right. Do you like to be among people? Right, because right. legal profession, you have to be with people. Right. You cannot sit behind the system and do... If, if that's the case, then you can do transactional law. I understand there is a thing transactional where you just draft the contracts and all. That's a different zone. I'm talking right. about the people who are really interested going to courts, meeting the people, helping them. That requires the communication skills, patience, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. try to build that, learn the law school, but go and build network. Right, Networking right. is very important so that before you complete your law school, you have already your cases. So I know that a lot of people, they, they attend networking events and, and people, I think, don't really understand what networking is. They think that it's going to these events and collecting a bunch of business cards. So tell us about how you network. How do you build relationships? For me, networking first starts with your own presentation skill. You have to have a nice clothes. I'm not saying expensive clothes, whatever it is, mm -hmm. well ironed, well polished, well dressed. You need to be a presentable person. And the biggest thing that you should be wearing and you should never, never, never forget is a beautiful smile. I see, I see. People just, I don't know why they, they wear good clothes, but they forget the beautiful aspect of their that smile and trust me it was smile and just being humble like that made me pe meet people i never thought i can ever meet i met the kala president uh, consumer attorneys association of los angeles i met the president of los angeles county bar association just by giving a smile he approached me i approached him he gave me his business card and we, we spoke like friends Oh my and gosh. It was not, and also networking events are not just to go and give your resumes. Networking event is to understand the person what exactly he wants or she wants. Right. Understand them and see whether it makes sense to be with them because they want to build a family. They don't want somebody to give some work which they don't trust. Right. So try to, you also understand that you're not just seeking something, you're offering something. Right. So you right. don't want to offer your services to somebody you don't like. Right. So try to understand whether you, in the networking events, go meet people, say hi, hello, and try to understand whether you can break ice quickly or not. Right. If it's taking you to break ice quickly, that means things are not going to work in future. Right, right. So, so yeah, so, Networking is, is very important and building relationships. So you're referring to quality relationships. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for that, Hari. I really thank you for your time and thank you for your information. And how can the listeners get a hold of you? My contact number is 213-257-6767. This is my personal number. Call me anytime or text me. That would be better. Okay. So Can you repeat the number again, please? It's 213-257-6767. Thank you so much. Thank you.